Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to the Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. What in the world went wrong with Texas Tech? What happened to Texas Tech? What in the world? Like, they have to... Can you imagine sports radio right now in Lubbock, Texas? Can you imagine what's happening there? It's not the same conversation. It's not a, hey, a word of warning. It's, hey, you know, how much much, uh, more urgent does it feel there than it feels in our neck of the woods? Bucky Irving touched the ball four times against Portland State. 144 yards. Bo Nix could do no wrong. A very different story in Lubbock, Texas. As uh, that team and that uh, program and the fan base, frankly, uh, all trying to figure out what the heck. What's going on? What could be... uh, what could be wrong? We'll be visiting with the beat reporter, Nathan Geis, who uh, covers the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. Did you see, did you happen to see any of their game? I did, yeah. Uh, you know, I was catching the end of the game as it was getting to overtime. You know, because Texas Tech, they got up early. They got up really quick, 14-0. And I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, it's over. Texas Tech going to get the win. And then all of a sudden it gets to the end of the game. And, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – that. The Wyoming home field, it's an underrated home field, but yeah, it's it's, it's shocking that they lost that game because they just out-talented Wyoming. You wonder if it's one of those games where it's a look-ahead spot and they're looking ahead to Oregon week two, knowing that they're going to get that national brand on their own home field. It was a shocking loss, I will say that. I And it took away some of the luster from this week two matchup. But again, I'll go back to what I said in the last segment. Oregon has to walk in there. Uh, you know, because there's a lot of people that want Oregon to fail. Let's be real. There, there are a whole bunch of people in college football that look at Oregon and see the uniforms and see the privilege and see the Nike relationship, and they go, you know, how do you root for that program? It's like rooting for U.S. Steel. And so I think Oregon's going to walk into that environment, and, you know, of course Texas Tech had a bad outcome in week one. We're going to find out from the beat reporter Nathan Geis what went wrong. What uh, what Texas Tech is going to be trying to fix, and you know how big does this game feel in Lubbock, Texas? And on that note, we're going to go out to Nathan Geis, who is the Texas Tech beat reporter, who covers Texas Tech and uh, does a great job at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. He's joining us now. Nathan, thanks for making time. Well, thanks for having me, John. Give me an idea. How did that? First of all, how did they lose to Wyoming? This was supposed to be one and zero against one and zero, big stage, a lot of drama, and and now it feels like this game is uh, is obviously very important game for Texas Tech, and and I'm not sure what to expect. I don't think anybody really knows what to expect from this. Uh, the Wyoming game that was just kind of a mix of everything going wrong at the worst possible time. Texas Tech is not historically good, especially in the last five years, good on the road. That's a tough environment. That's just a tough opener to have. And they're not great against mobile quarterbacks, even historically, which is something that we probably talk about later. Uh, 
But once they just stopped getting momentum, the offense had no flow, the defense just couldn't get off the field. It was basically just a perfect recipe for, a, I guess, an upset victory by Wyoming. I don't want to consider it a huge one, but it's one that I don't think anybody really expected to happen, but that's the position they're in now. Yeah, and, I, and I'm looking at Joey McGuire. You know, it, it's a tough position for him to be in there, but, um, you know, he – story you had today he's basically saying fans you're either in this or you're not in this what is he what is, what is he trying to establish here basically he was asked the question of you know how would you respond to the fans that say oh well kind of here we go again the sky is falling that's kind of a mentality that's ingrained in a lot of texas tech fans because this kind of is you know the where the program has been over the last decade 15 years or so but it, basically what he was saying there was that he knows the alumni, he knows the true fans, they're going to stick with this program. They know that one game isn't going to define them, which it's not. It's just not going to happen. But the ones that are saying, well, this team's a failure already, that's, it's way too premature to say any of that. And I think a lot of it, for, I can't speak for him, but I'll speak to what I think is that it's his first game of his second year here. Everybody expected this to be a giant turnaround from last year, from the previous couple of years. It just doesn't work that quickly. You're going to have these hiccup games. You're going to have these ones that, hey, it looks like there's problems. Well, it's a new team. It's a new season. You're going to have these problems. So everybody just kind of take a chill pill a little bit. They're going to figure some stuff out or hopefully figure some stuff out and move forward from that. When when things are going right for Texas Tech – What's happening on the field? You saw that in the first quarter against Wyoming. Basically, it's what they need is just kind of the momentum to shift. They need a turnover on defense, and that energizes the offense. They need a touchdown on offense to energize the defense. They need a big stop here or there. And we, we got to talk to some of the players today, and they said, yeah, that's how this team operates. If they can keep the momentum they'll be fine, but it's when that momentum halts, they have a really hard time getting out of that gear, out of that mindset of we're kind of stuck here. How do we get out of it? They need to keep that momentum going. They did that towards the end of last year. That's why they won those four games in a row to end the season. They had that in the first quarter, and then it just stopped, and they couldn't get back out of that rut. The head coach said that he warned, his wife was warning him to stay off social media but uh, <laughs> yep. he said he did not. He went on social media. Uh, uh, is he uh, is he okay after reading what the fan base had to say about him? Joey is fine. Joey is, is you know anything about Joey, he is one of the most on social media head coaches you are going to have in college football and college sports in general. It's, kind of, it's a blessing and a curse. It gets his name. It gets the program visibility in a sphere where there's a lot more recruits, a lot more player eyes, a lot more fan eyes. But that does lead into you're going to see the negative stuff. I mean, we know it from the journalism sphere. If you're in a public space, you're going to get some negative feedback. And he saw that on Saturday. He'll be fine. He's a big boy. (laughs) He said it himself. He's been doing this for years. He started high school football in the Dallas South Oak Cliff area. There's nothing new for him, so I, he, he's got to be all right. All right. For fans who don't know much, much about Texas Tech, identity-wise, what defines this team offensively? 
you know, what should we be looking for on Saturday as, as they meet Oregon? Well, historically, they're the air raid team. You know, that's was brought in by Mike Leach and I don't want to say invented, but modernized and revamped here. That's what made him successful in the early to late 2000s, early 2010s. And it, they kind of went away from that a little bit under Matt Wells. It's been brought back more now with Zach Kitley. And what they want to do is they want tempo. They're going to go fast. They're going to air it out. They're not going to run the ball a whole lot, but they're going to spread around the field. And the thing that was especially significant last year, they're going to go for it on fourth down a lot. They did they did it a couple times against Wyoming. I think they're trying to trying to feel that process out a little bit. But in a game like this where you need to perform, you need to have some momentum on your side, I could see them going for it on fourth down, fourth and short situations, even in their own territory on fourth and three, fourth and four, just to try to get some of that momentum going. So you're going to see that defensively. There's not really an identity here. You know, they just lost Tyree Wilson. He was the number seven pick in the NFL draft last year. So they're replacing a lot on the edge, and they just lost a starting linebacker for four to six weeks, Jacob Rodriguez, to a foot injury. So they're figuring some stuff out there in the middle. But that's kind of the essence of the Red Raiders right now. Dan Landing, the Oregon coach, talked a little bit about the heat in Texas, the environment in the stadium. Give us an idea. For fans who have never seen a game in Lubbock, Texas, what are we talking about on a Saturday in September? It kind of depends, but I think what we're looking at right now, we've got temps in about the high 90s, hovering around 100 degrees. That's just kind of typical around here. The thing you have to be worried about is, when the heat gets mixed with the wind, the wind is a problem out here in West Texas. Uh, you get those two factors in, and that it can, can kind of make a miserable experience for fans out there. Uh, but they they stick it out because, especially here in Lubbock, they've been through it, they live through it. Uh, not the best atmosphere, the temperature-wise and elements-wise, but it, it's doable if you're around it on occasion, yeah. Nathan Geis is our guest. He covers Texas Tech for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. You know, Mike Leach will be honored this week in Pullman, one of his other stops. I know next week that's going to be a big deal in Lubbock. You know, how often does he come up still in in people talking about Texas Tech football? Uh, if you look at a national perspective, his name is synonymous with Texas Tech football. I mean, it was him that really brought this program to a national spotlight while he was here the, the kind of iffy thing now is that you know his departure was very publicized it was not very pretty on any side and we just kind of a polarizing guy in general just kind of who he is but it, it is kind of the sad thing about you know when somebody like that dies it does kind of make you remember the good times more than the negative stuff and that's kind of where we're at now uh, he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame at the end of this month too, so that's going to be a special moment for him. When I'm, you know, thinking about this game, obviously I was thinking about Tyler Shuck, former Oregon QB, who is now at Texas Tech. Uh, how did how does how did his arrival, his performance, uh, how is it going over with fans, and what can Oregon expect? 
Well, since his arrival at Tech, it's really been hit or miss because he hasn't been able to stay on the field. He broke his collarbone a couple of games into his first season here, missed the rest of the year, started the year last year, re-injured that same collarbone, so he missed a good chunk of last year too. But when he's been on the field, he's been pretty good. Not amazing, but he's been good. Uh, pretty good system quarterback for Zach Kittley. He had some problems last week on some batted balls at the line staring down receivers a little bit too much. He does have a tendency to throw into tight spots that lead to interceptions, but I think he's now, after last week, 8-2 and two as a starter, and it's and so he's he's been solid, but it's been hard to tell, really, because he hasn't had a full season out here yet. 338 uh, passing yards, three touchdowns, uh, one interception last week. Um, you know, I, I don't think the problems were there. Where were the problems? For Texas Tech, it was just kind of that momentum. It started with uh, they got hot on offense right away. They got a fumble recovery, scored right away. Got another fumble recovery, got that field goal, and then it just everything kind of stopped. The defense uh, had trouble getting off the field. Wyoming just ate so much clock. The defense was on the field most of the time, and then when the offense did get on the field, they just didn't have any momentum. They couldn't get that speed going which is what they had success with in the beginning. And they weren't able to find that tempo that they needed until the very end when they were when they were suddenly playing from behind. And so that's something that they need to correct there. Uh, kicking was also a problem. Gino Garcia, his first game as a starter, he was two for five. A couple of them, you know, they could go, could go either way. There was a one right before the first half. That was a weird situation where you're trying to get it off with one second left and no timeout. But that also needs to be improved. Yeah, you miss three field goals or two misses in a block, and you have to wonder. You lose the game in double overtime. You have to kind of wonder mm-hmm. uh, what happens there if the narrative would be different. Uh, Nathan Geis with us. I'll be at the game. I'm excited to see this game. Give me an idea from Texas Tech's standpoint. The difference between – Hey, beating Oregon at, at home in week two after coming off the Wyoming loss or maybe losing to Oregon, uh, how does that shift the season for Texas Tech? Well, I wrote earlier in, before the season that the Oregon game in general wasn't going to mean much, and really it's not. I mean, you, they still can go win a Big 12 championship. They could go 10-2 and the season and just say, hey, we didn't start very well, but we finished strong. But with how they looked last week and losing that game, I think this game has more importance than before the season because they haven't started 0-2 since in the last 30 years. They haven't lost a home opener since 99. Oregon is the highest-ranked non-conference opponent to visit Lubbock since 94. There's a lot of variables here that makes this a big game, and that's why people have been talking about it and maybe overlook Wyoming a little bit because this game was so big. I, even with the loss, I, fans are going to come out. It's a sellout. It's been a sellout for a while now. I think there's a little bit more intensity involved with this one now instead of had they won against Wyoming. Yeah, I think it's a big game for Oregon because I think Oregon's got some aspirations that that are beyond uh, you know just kind of winning non-conference games. But I think also Oregon wants to recruit the state of Texas. Winning a game in Lubbock does that do a lot for you, recruiting-wise? Does you know? Do you get opponents who come in there talking about you know the footprint and the recruiting? 
Yeah, I think everybody's trying to recruit Texas, right? I mean, it's like the hotbed of the nation. I think you got Texas and California, maybe a little bit of the Florida, Georgia area. But Texas is a huge recruiting hotspot. I think more or less it's more geared towards the Dallas-Fort Worth area and Austin with UT down there, maybe a little bit of Waco. But Lubbock and Texas Tech are still very much part of that. And I'm not sure – if winning at Tech would help them with Texas, but it can't hurt, obviously. Like you said, they have aspirations, too, and winning a true road game and not conference, that's big for anybody. I really appreciate your time, Nathan. I will see you in the press box. Before I let you go, biggest key for Texas Tech, if they win this game, what do they do? They have to contain Bo Nix. And I'm not talking about his arm. They have to keep him in the pocket as much as possible. Like, I think I mentioned earlier, they historically have not done well against quarterbacks that run. Andrew Peasley, he only completed about 50% of his passes last year, but he completed enough to make his running more open and a threat, and that's where Wyoming really succeeded on offense. They need to keep him contained in the pocket somehow and then just need to make it uh, put him a little bit of pressure on him in there. Nathan, I appreciate your time. Uh, read him. On the Avalanche Journal website, he covers Texas Tech. Steven, let's kick this around. I think it's a huge game for Oregon. I think uh, a lot of stakes. If you want to matter in the national stage, you don't beat Portland State, put 81 points up, and then go into Lubbock, Texas, and lay an egg. Huge game. I'm hearing from Nathan a little bit that, at least from the big picture at Texas Tech, that this game doesn't mean that much. But isn't that the kind of thinking that has plagued Texas Tech? All of it's, you know, ever since Mike Leach left? Yeah, it was a, it was kind of an interesting answer that he gave there because I got the same vibe there that it, it wasn't that big of a deal that Oregon is coming down to Lubbock. And I would think that that is a really big deal, especially for a team that had a nice season out of nowhere, joining McGuire last season, had a lot of momentum coming into this year, and then struggle in that first game and lose. So I, I do wonder if that loss, you know, we talked about this with Colorado, like, if they jump off to a bad start of the season, how do they react? Now, they don't know. They won. But how does Texas Tech react to that week one loss? Do they bounce back and say, you know, we need to win and play with a sense of urgency here in week two? Like, we can't go 0-2 to start this season. Or is it one of those things where they think maybe we're not as good as we thought we were going to be? And, you know, they kind of pack it in already. I'm very intrigued this game because I think it's big for Oregon. If if you want to be a good team, it's like you said, you got to win games like this on the road. Texas Tech, a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team, but – if you want to be considered in the college football playoff, you got to win games like this. So I, I'm very interested because I, I, you know, going into the year, I thought this was going to be a tough game. I thought Texas Tech probably, you know, maybe, maybe may get the win. I don't know that call, you know, the, the call right there by Nathan didn't give me a lot of confidence in uh, Texas Tech week two right there. I think, uh, regardless, tough place to play, tough circumstances, difficult to win on the road. Period. End stop. Like it, it is difficult for teams to go on the road and win. It's why I was impressed with the way Oregon State played at San Jose State. It's tough to go on the road and win. It's why I was impressed uh, with the – I mean, I think Texas Tech found that out, you know, going to Laramie. You know, they had to go on the road, and they couldn't get it done. There was a lightning delay. You're dealing with conditions. You're dealing with a foreign environment. You're dealing with travel. It's just a complicating factor. So I think Oregon going to Lubbock – you know, at least it's only only ninety degrees expected for game time. How much do you think the weather's going to affect Oregon? I think it's a factor. 
I think, you know, I don't know how you prepare for it. I think Dan Lanning joked that he could have his guys wear sweatshirts during practice all week long, but it's not really going to do it. Are you in shape? Are you not in shape? There is an element of cramping and hydration and sideline management, and, you know, they have the fans going everything. It was it was warm in the Bay Area. It was 90 degrees in the Bay Area. Oregon State had fans on the sideline. I mean, you, you take the necessary precautions, and you get the equipment, and you, you know, tell your guys to hydrate, and you have IVs ready, and... And, uh, you know, you, you do what you're supposed to do as a program. But in the end, I mean, I think there is an element to Oregon, you know, playing well against Portland State that it's encouraging. I wish they would have been tested a little more because I think a better week one test would have given them more focus, might have given them some areas that, you know, they're not, they, you know, because I think the danger is that Oregon doesn't know where the problems are right now because of the way week one went. Well, I, I, think, I think to that point, John, it's all about the veteran leadership of Bo Nix then, right? Like, he has to know, like, you know, we have to play well and where we still are struggling in certain areas. And that's why you're lucky to have a guy like Bo Nix who's been around for so long. He should be able to go into that environment and be okay, even if things hit the wall a little bit. Anna's popping into the studio. We'll have the 5 at 5 coming up. Plus, Bruce Barnum, Portland State football coach, will be joining us in Hour 3 of the show. I want you here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.